2: Retirement is often seen as a destination, but we believe it's an opportunity to pursue your passions, realize your dreams, and live a purposeful life. Great decisions, incredible lives. Retire With Intention podcast is about more than just money. It's about embracing the things that truly matter, the experiences, the relationships, and the impact you leave behind. Here is your host, John Kriegmer
1: everybody john here and i uh, want to welcome you again to this week's show so great decisions incredible lives uh retire with intention and man today i am so pumped uh I have christian Matetwa with me and uh Chris is coming to us today actually from the west coast out in los angeles and uh it's so exciting to get to know him and also his background and hear about his philosophies about helping people make great decisions so they can accomplish some incredible things in their life, hit some huge goals, um, not only on the financial side, but the personal side, and then how to live that out as far as living your definition of an incredible life. So, super excited to walk through that today. So, Krishna, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you, John. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, actually, hey, man, well, when we get started here, can you give a background as far as uh, just kind of your journey? Where are you from? And And uh, where do you work at now? Where do you live at now? And all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I was born in a small country in Africa called Zimbabwe. Most people
0: can't point to it on a map, but we border South Africa on the northern border. Uh, Moved to Nashville, Tennessee as a baby. That's why I don't have the accent. But since then, I've been a little bit of a nomad. Went from Nashville to the University of Arizona, started professionally in Arizona, lived in Atlanta for a little while, and now based out of LA. But being so close to LAX, it's not hard to get across the country
1: pretty quickly. Uh, For sure, for sure. So man, you've been working in the financial services industry for a little while. And uh, it seems like a long while when I start looking over your resume and everything. Hey, could you walk us through just from your perspective, what inspires you to pursue a career in finance?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm actually the youngest of four. My oldest brother at one point lived in Manhattan in New York and his career actually started in architecture, but he eventually then transitioned to business. And I got to see what the lifestyle of a business owner looked like. Um, and especially in the height of the 2008 financial crisis, that was when where you know the sky was falling, and you know you didn't really know what you were looking at. And so to me, uh, someone like that who got to travel was in control of his time and of his resources. I didn't know what it meant then, but as I started to consider careers, it meant a lot to me. And as I, as I was looking, financial planning and being an advisor was one of the only careers where I felt like one, I could have a tremendous impact, but I'd still have that entrepreneurial control, if you will, in building a career or practice, but also you know working with people I cared about.
1: Yeah, Has anything surprised you from your uh, from your time in the career?
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I uh, I thought I'd have to be the mathematician of all mathematicians, and although I was great at it in school, uh, I learned how integral being soft and personable and relatable, candidly, is in such a career like this. And I think it's, it's a surprise that hits you early, but it's one that I'm I'm glad I recognized, and thankfully, I think I've gotten pretty good at.
1: Oh man, that is so true, and. You know, we hear stories every single week from folks to watch the show and and follow us on so many different channels that talk about the importance of being able to talk with a trusted advisor who listens more than they talk, who yeah. has great ears to listen, and but then who also actually empathizes as far as with them with the journey they're on. So, man, that speaks so well uh, as far as what you've learned and uh, and really how you work with clients. And Christian, that's walking away thinking, man, you are a nationally recognized financial advisor. And so what do you believe sets your firm apart from the other people that work in this space?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And I I give most of that credit and the recognition to my firm and to those that have shown mentorship towards me. I I can't say that I have enough behind me to take all the credit for it. But in short, I think the industry for a while has been going down a path where it's been in, in need of some innovation. And uh, we're part of what I would consider a revolution in, in the industry that recognizes that young people can be a solution to a long-term challenge, and that people want advice. Right? Doesn't matter what t- type of technology exists or is going to continue to be innovated. People want a relationship with, like you said, a trusted advisor. But the two is we're actually willing to invest in those young people and that talent. And I'm a product of that investment, and uh, I'm fortunate to be in a seat now where I get to do some of that investing in young people as well. All the while recognizing the gaps uh, that the industry is typically presented in terms of uh, women and, in some cases, minorities, but also young people that are coming into wealth are all things that I've focused on within my practice. And I'm thankful to have my first support as well.
1: You're you're so right. I've been working in this industry since 1991, so it's a a little while. And uh, I think I've gotten a lot of gray hair from working in this space. And uh, maybe it's because I've aged. I have three boys that when they're all teenagers at the same time, I learned a lot and grew up a lot. But it really, this industry, the financial services industry, um, you know, there was a lot of spots that were missing. Uh, there were a lot of folks that truly were underserved within this industry space and did a tremendous disservice. And yet, 49 Financial's done a phenomenal job of really recruiting, training, and then also having a unique message and process that resonates with so many people doing it so well, uh, just as far as organizationally. And I was thinking about the process you all have. And uh, what you've walked through, Christian, as far as discovery, then diagnosis, and then recommendations, that's right. and that's really designed to get to the heart of what's important to people and then helping them make some wise decisions. I want to throw you on the spot real fast. Can, can you think of a success story where that process made a difference in somebody's life?
0: Yeah, uh, it's funny you asked that. I'm actually going through something in this very moment where it's somewhat heavy, but it's one of the more, uh, it's one of the circumstances of which I'm most proud of. I had a client that I reached out to that had actually worked at my high school. I was fortunate to go to a small private high school in Nashville, Tennessee. And when uh, I joined 49 to help start a national expansion in Atlanta, I began expanding my practice around the Southeastern region. And so I reached out to this woman. Little did I know she was a single mom of two kids at the time. I believe it was seven and nine years old a healthy young adult, right? With a a tremendous career and was doing awesome things. But fast forward and we actually had the opportunity to do some planning with her. And like you mentioned, the discovery for us is more like a fun game of 20 questions where we get to get to know the person, but we also understand what planning they've done, if any, up to this point and what they're really trying to accomplish long-term. And oftentimes uh, you'll know this from being in the industry that often doesn't align with a certain number that they're striving for or a certain year or age that they want to retire or do X, Y, and Z, but it more aligns with the things that they want to do and accomplish, whether it's send their kids to college or buy them a certain thing or take them to a certain place or Mm. just have the freedom to be able to spend time with them right, among the rest of their family. And so all that to say is we were able to do some really thoughtful planning at that time. And since then, that uh, unfortunately, that, that same client ended up contracting a terminal illness. But as part of the holistic planning that we were able to do, sure, we managed investments and things of that nature. But uh, the planning we ended up doing expanded into estate planning uh, and doing some really cool things for their family to the degree where now, uh, as being the advisor to the trustee that now takes care of, of all of that, I'm pretty confident that their family won't really have to worry about any of the financial stresses that come uh, or that typically come from circumstances like this, especially for you know a single mom with two young kids.
1: Yeah, for sure. That discovery phase is so critical, right? I mean, you have to understand really those core values an individual has and the things that are most important to them. And oftentimes, folks start a financial conversation with a dollar amount. And the reality is, man, their life is so much more than a dollar amount. You used the phrase holistic planning. Yeah. And I know that's a phrase that a lot of times we hear uh, within different industries we work in. Um, but from your perspective, what really is a good definition of holistic planning? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a subjective
0: one, and I'll give you my subjective answer. But I, I think in short, it's being able to take a high level overview. review to bring together all of the disciplines of financial planning. You know, most people think financial planning only relates to one aspect of a financial plan, largely the biggest in most cases, which is retirement planning and the investments that coincide with that. But there are consequences to every financial decision that you make, from your tax implications to what happens to your kids if something does happen to you. If you don't have kids, what are the causes and people that you care about that you would want to take care of? And so everything that that goes into how someone lives their life candidly. And where the resources are end up deployed, in, in order to support those things, that's holistic plan, planning, in my opinion. And so, uh, in my eyes, a good advisor uh, is one that can take that thirty thousand foot view, and whether they're a specialist in all of those categories or focused on one, understand how they all complement each other.
1: So, how does an advisor then, you know, whether they're a specialist in one of those areas or they're kind of more of a generalist, at what ways should they be bringing in, let's say, a specialist that they're not as, well as a specialist? Whether it be tax, whether it be a state or an attorney. What ways are that transition, and is it appropriate to do so? Yeah, it's a great question. I think
0: there are a couple of ways to approach it. I've seen many do it successfully and in a lot of different realms. Uh, for us, we operate on a team-based model, right? And so mm-hmm. we talked about the investment in young people. I think you would agree that it's, it's pretty challenging or, or not easy to expect someone, uh, you know, within the first decade or so of their career to be an expert in all of those things. And so putting them in an environment where regardless of who owns the client relationship that client is being served by people who maybe have the tenure to have seen a circumstance similar quite a bit uh, on top of the ambitious young young advisor that gets to serve that family and so the team-based environment number one is it uh, a good asset to the client experience but two it's the constant never-ending pursuit of improvement right investing in oneself through continuing education some of the designations that you and i both hold I think those are some of the ways that someone can deepen that expertise and therefore become more valuable to that client and ultimately serve them in a way that's that's most advantageous.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think really it's a matter of recognizing each individual's role and the role that advisors advisor is to really have that relational empathy where they're able to understand. And Christian, it sounds like, and from what I've read, it sounds like how I know you, it sounds like that's what you, man, you specialize in that, do so well at that. Um, but then to be able to say, okay, maybe there's some areas that the client can really benefit from having wise counsel from a specialized individual and having the humility to say, you know, it makes sense for you to bring in this individual so we have that specialized area. Walk through with me how challenging it is as an advisor to kind of look at that holistic plan and to put together a comprehensive plan that looks at all those areas. And then what is the real benefit to the client?
0: Yeah. Well, I think from an advisory standpoint, if you hadn't done it before, there's the obvious intimidation of this is the first of my experiences going through this. And so that can be intimidating, especially if you're looking to pull in subject matter experts like attorneys or like qualified tax advisors who have seen circumstances similar to the ones that you're dealing with more over than you have. And so things might be going over your head or might not necessarily click immediately, but that process can be intimidating. But uh, all the while, the biggest reason we're doing it is because we know it'll ultimately... Uh, end up serving the client, uh, in the most comprehensive way. And, uh, within our firm, our, our motto is to create community and simplify a lot, simplify lives. And so if we can simplify the client's experience in understanding their finances, number one, but then navigating the road from wherever point A is where they are right now to point B, which is where they want to go. Ultimately, it's worth whatever, you know, yeah, challenges or insecurities we might face. Uh, as young advisors, the first time we go through it, but the benefit to all of that is you, it's only the first time you do it. The first time you do it, thereafter, any other time across that circumstance, you are that expert or at least more qualified to to serve the next family. As a result,
1: yeah, I love that phrase: build community and simplify lives. Uh, man, that's a phenomenal, a phenomenal statement for a financial advisory firm to really have. Do you find when people come in, what do they have? A high level of knowledge of their financial background, or do they have a low level of knowledge? Is it kind of all over the board? And if maybe a little bit lower, are they a little bit embarrassed to share and ask questions? It's a great question. I think you're right. It is across the board. It
0: really depends what the demographic is that you're talking to, and. Uh, honestly, who approaches who as well, right? We get requests to to get counsel and ask and answer very specific questions. And there are others where as part of our community, we approach folks who we think we'd love to help and maybe even serve. Uh, one common thread though, I do see because a lot of my practice is based around sort of minorities or first generation wealth, if you will, is an insecurity, like you mentioned, uh, in folks that don't want to necessarily illustrate how, whether it's ignorant or new they are to the overall process of managing resources, especially with all the complexities of these different disciplines we've just talked through. And uh, in that, I think it's all the more important to be so relatable, to express the, the circumstances you've gone through that relate to the things that they might be feeling in the very moment. Uh, and this is where a reading community comes in is points to the people who are just like them and give them the confidence that no matter where they're at, they can get to the point where they have confidence over their plan and that, you know, of course, a trusted advisor as we tr- strive to be can be a good resource in getting them there.
1: We've talked about community a little bit here, um, and I keep on thinking about our entire country right now, and mm-hmm. we seem to be really fragmented. And uh, it's difficult to build community when you have that level of fragmentation, right? And it, it, in a lot of ways, it breaks my heart the where where we're at right now as a country. And that's a larger societal um, issue than probably what we have <laughs> time to delve into today. Uh, maybe that, maybe we can get together and have a chat on that sometime, as I think that it's made us so critical. You know, and I've even noticed. You know, whenever I talk to people anymore, I actually have to give a political disclaimer. You know, I may have personal views, but as a financial planner, I'm agnostic on that. We want to help you make great decisions, and yet it seems to me, Christian, that I talk to more people, whether it be on the tax, whether it be on estate, whether it be on their investing portfolio, whether it be just life in general they seem to be making investment decisions based upon through the lens looking at it through the lens of their political background and i'm not sure if you've seen that but let's say we have a listener today who's actually saying i want to invest based upon my politics or based upon what i've heard or read off of some website what type of general counsel would you have for a person like that
0: yeah well i think you bring up a good point because in my opinion there is a difference between academic and historical research and and data and that which is emotionally driven, right? And so I think one can inform the other. Uh, if we're thinking about you know, how aggressive do we want to be, or what sectors do we want to be allocated to, or how do we want to invest in general, there's some academic research and data that will likely support whatever uh, an advisor would recommend. But uh, to your point, that can then be massaged uh, mm-hmm. or you know injected with a little bit of pizzazz, if you will, of what that person's uh, you know personal personal goals are, or personal beliefs are. And so for us, at least, that might mean excluding certain sectors or companies or industries altogether of the marketplace. It might mean injecting that uh, in a more intense way, but obviously communicating very clearly what implications that might have long term uh, or even in the short term for that person in that that family. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a fine line to walk, like you said, probably more of a conversation for another day. But understanding how there can be such a divide in central beliefs, but then understanding uh, you know, we're professionals in an industry that is largely based on money. Money is based on numbers and numbers are facts and absolute. So the history and the data there can't necessarily be challenged, uh, only, you know, considered alongside opinion.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what, I mean, as you're listening today, guys, that right there is like a mic drop moment. That is just truth as uh, wisdom. And so that, I'd encourage you play that back, listen to that, write that down. Um, that is just phenomenal, phenomenal direction as far as pay attention to facts. Uh, Pay attention to numbers and historical evidence and uh, don't get wrapped up in the emotion of the day. So thank you so much for that truth. Um, You know, I was thinking about just a number of things we've chatted on so far. And um, one of the things you've mentioned a couple of times, it really is your background. And, um, you know, you're a co-founder of a black owned family office that showcases your commitment to empowering minorities in a lot of ways, underserved, you know, an underserved group. And can you walk me through how you see this initiative influencing and promoting diversity within the financial industry. Yeah,
0: that's, uh, well, I'm glad you asked about it. It's one of the things I'm most passionate about. I think it's really two, maybe threefold. Well, the first of which is just like me, I don't think there are enough minorities and young people that think they can succeed in this industry. Mm-hmm. And so it, I take it upon myself, but not entirely, I know I can't do it by myself, but it's certainly important for me to succeed at the highest levels. And candidly, the family office space is not one that many are familiar with and it's not one that... Is broadly advertised or even talked about, or even widely understood by folks that might be qualify to be in one. But if a minority like myself can be a part of something like that and even own it, then I think that shows you know the heights that we can really achieve, not just as a black person or as an immigrant, but as a young person. And I think the same can extend to women and things of that nature. So I think that's important for the future of our industry in general. But for the end consumer who we're really doing this for, I've noticed a complete disparity amongst ultra-affluent minorities in that they often are first-generation wealth and they're stepping into a realm that is immensely populated with folks that don't look like them and you have experiences that don't necessarily align. And that's across every sub-demographic, right? Uh, black, blue, Latinx, Asians, uh, immigrants, women, the like, blended families, you name it. And across that board, I think the, re- the relatability that I've mentioned so many times is absolutely critical. But then the ability to take what are complicated and sophisticated strategies and points and communicate that in a way that people understand, right? Or can at least begin to understand. But couple that with the relatability and the fact that you're continuing to surround them with people who understand where they're at, but also where they're headed and the things that Mm. they want to accomplish for themselves and their communities and their families. That's really what the initiative is all about. So we want to be that place where a a first-generation minority family or uh, what matriarchal family, if you will that's experiencing tremendous wealth or is likely to experience that in the shortcoming can go to get a three hundred and sixty degree view uh, an opinion and good advice on what to do across the board and not be you know subject to various whether it's sales or what have you, that puts them down a path that might not necessarily be the best for them but for whoever placed them in that environment
1: that person with a first generation wealth, Really, what do you see as the biggest hurdles or pitfalls uh, regarding their finances that they've ever faced with? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'm not even sure if they're pitfalls, they're just different
0: considerations altogether. Right? We're talking about minorities. Number one is they often don't have someone to the left and the right that they can look at. So not only are they first generation wealth, they're the first among their peers. That are experiencing this and so that can even be hard to hide sometimes whether they want to uh, two would be there are more people depending on those resources and so especially for a minority family maybe even immigrants for those that come upon extreme wealth there's the the survivor guilt if you will that says hey i want to go and take care of everybody now and by all means you should you know take care of the people who helped you get to where you are but let's understand which direction the ladder is, is meant to climb uh, and then let's make sure that we give everyone else the opportunity to climb and not necessarily you know, just put them on an elevator and, and avoid that climb altogether. And so mm-hmm. uh, making sure that we take care of the people that are, that were there and that are still there and that are going to be there forever while also not diminishing the value of what you've built is extremely important. And the last of which is just creating community, right? People think that they're all alone because the majority of folks that uh, are of those means or have experienced that are, are generational wealth families uh, they tend not to look like them or have the same experiences. So, creating a community where our first generation wealth and folks that are in that circumstance can be around each other, whether through events or just through you know uh, us, even as a relationship, right? right.
1: One of the things I like to spend a little time on and make sure that we really hit it hard is I think you have a, 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 a an event called the summit uh, or a summit that is coming up. Can mm-hmm. you walk us through what the summit is? Um, and also, what impact do you hope it'll have on the financial industry and and uh, in lives of various people? Yeah, you've done good
0: reading because uh, not a lot of people know about this this forthcoming summit, but in short, We're planning and organizing something that will serve as a a community or a central gathering point for minorities of first-generation wealth. And we want it to be centered around ultra-affluent minorities. There's no shortage of financial literacy events and and conferences and things like that that many people could go to. But the challenge is when an ultra-affluent minority attends one of those, they're often viewed as the person that is there to do the teaching, right? When they themselves might have questions or challenges that they're sure. facing, whether on the estate level or maybe on how to manage their resources or, you know, some of the things we've talked about, like philanthropy or how to take care of their loved ones and things like that. And so might even create this imposter or this superiority complex or, you know, unimposed superiority complex where the ultra affirmative minorities actually don't get a lot of value from that because everybody's there to learn from them. So we want to create an environment where they can go and learn amongst their peers and industry experts, uh, folks with incredible pedigrees across every industry that you can imagine from private equity, venture capital, of course, investment management, the legal space, tax space, and even government and policy, the media, the list goes on and on. We want to put some of the best and brightest in that room and have it solely focused on empowering those people there. Uh, so that they can then in turn use their resources, whether tangible or intangible to, to, you know, invest in their communities and of course in their families. So that's something that's still in the works. It's a multi-month process that we're knee deep in right now, but I'm glad you brought it out because I think that can be a catalyst for a lot of different demographics and communities across the country to, you know, come together and really mm-hmm. start to make the, the wealth that we're you, you're seeing across our communities really mean So
1: Yeah, I mean, I love that. I love just how you've taken this whole concept of community and saying it's not just you with an individual working together, but it's how can we actually come together in a larger community uh, for bigger impact that is more than just yourself. And and I get to see that having huge, huge dividends uh, in the lives of so many people just for generations to come. So, uh phenomenal. I guess is this uh, everybody, you know, make sure make sure that you uh follow Christian, make sure you follow um uh, as far as the events that are coming out because I think that's gonna be one that if it applies to you makes a lot of sense uh to make sure you get connected. So uh uh phenomenal. Hey Christian, as we're wrapping up here, is there anything that we've not talked about or anything else that you said, hey man, this would be something I really want to hit on. You know. I'm not sure. You did
0: a really good job learning about my background, what I care about, what I'm working on right now. So that's great. I think the biggest thing is just recognizing what you're doing. I really appreciate it, John, because our industry is one that has a history of being fragmented or even combative amongst competition. But in my opinion, uh, success leaves clues, number one. And at the top, it's not Competition, it's collaboration. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing here. And uh, for folks that recognize that there's a lot to learn from what you've got going on. I'm sure, you know, whatever I can inject into the conversation is hopefully a bit helpful, but uh, I would just encourage continuous learning. I think mm-hmm. the moment you know that, you know, the moment you think you know it all is the moment you really don't. Uh, when you stop growing, you, you start dying. And so your listeners take nothing. It's continue to pursue some level of growth and never feel like you know it all. Uh, and something that's existed for me and, and worked really well is say yes when it's possible, but also try to get in the rooms where you feel a little uncomfortable. Because that oh, will actually lead to uh really cool, exciting
1: opportunities. Yeah, that's great. Last question for you, man. If you could spend 15 minutes on a park bench overlooking a pond and talking to somebody that's either currently living or that's previously lived on the earth, who would it be and why? That's a tough one, man. There's a lot of... That question's
0: asked a lot, and I think my answer changes every time somebody asks. Doesn't that. it?
1: I'm the same way.
0: Yeah, but I think you know just because I'm sitting in Los Angeles right now, and this is going to hurt being a Boston Celtics fan. But Kobe Bryant, I think, had a tremendous mentality, yeah. uh, a phenomenal transition. I don't think I've ever seen a transition from such a, a high level of performance in athletic endeavors to yeah. the business sector, right? Which most people don't or are aren't aware of. But the same is he's a girl dad uh, yeah. and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a dad yet, but, uh, the idea that somebody that competitive, that intense and to do what he's done and what people know to also, you know, be in a house full of, of women. I, I just love to learn about that. dynamic too. So, Yeah. Yeah. Answer.
1: Yeah. I'll tell you that we got, I actually uh, met him once and shook his hand once. And, uh, um, you know, just came away saying what an incredible presence uh, mm-hmm. he had. And, uh, I wish I could have had 15 minutes talking to him that, uh, yeah um, you know just uh, i i agree that that's a great selection' of someone to learn from and Christian, I really appreciate you spending time with us today and uh so many it's incredible thoughts and um and also as far as folks if they want to follow you or get information on you uh where's the best place to look? Is it a website is it a LinkedIn profile or a yeah type of thread or Twitter or what's going on? good question. I think my website's the easiest
0: it's currently in development, but it's just my first name and last name dot com christian k r i s t i a n m-t-e-t-w-a dot com uh, once that's fully developed that'll point to all my social channels everything that I'm being a part of and uh, you know the media and things like that will so com.
1: awesome and everybody, so all listeners know we'll put that into the into the notes as far as the show uh, so you'll be able to find a link there whenever he's up and running that's going to be a great resource to uh, follow Christian and more information from him so everybody I want to thank you so much for uh, spending time with us today a great decisions incredible lives and uh, it's all truly about retiring with intention, but most importantly, living a life with intention. And uh, as questions come up, feel free to ping us and let us know. And we'll be back in touch with you. And I look forward to here talking with you all again uh, next time we drop the next show up. Talk to you all later. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you again for listening to the Great Decisions, Incredible Lives, Retire With Intention podcast with host John Kriegmer follow us on social media, visit our website, and join our community of like-minded individuals redefining retirement and living incredible lives. Please leave us a review and share our podcast with others who may benefit. We wish you a future filled with purpose, fulfillment, and the joy of living your incredible life in retirement.